You're listening to MOG Channel. This is MOG Channel where we'll help you to see real and practical Christians from God's Word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about using your mirror. Yeah, using your mirror. Now, we're going to start off from James chapter 1 verse 22. James chapter 1 verse 22. So, if you have your Bibles there, well, you should have. Let us turn to James chapter 1 verse 22. And let me just say in passing that one of the best ways to, you know, be part of this podcast is for you to participate at least by the opening of scriptures whenever scriptures are called if you cannot maybe later you do that but as if you can you should so james chapter 1 verse 22 says but be you hearers or be you doers of the word of god and not hearers only deceiving your own selves very popular text be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves most times a lot of people just look at this and say, oh, do the word, do the word, do the word. And it's true. In fact, I have a teaching called Doing the Word on Telegram. Doing the word. We should do the word. In other words, what the word of God says we should do, we should be obedient, we should do the word. But you see, this actually has a deeper meaning than just mere actions. It's a much deeper meaning. So let's go down and see Paul's, no, this is James actually. James's. is it James's? Yeah. James's train of thought. Okay, so be doer of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So why does he say you're deceiving yourself? He now explains in the next verse. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his natural face in what? A mirror. Verse 24. For he looks at himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. I seen that. So you can see there is an equating of a mirror to God's word. So he says you should not just be hearers only, but doers of the word, right? So in other words, the word of God is a mirror. It's a mirror. So he says, if you look at verse 25, but whoever looks into what the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So you see, there's a very, very strong thing to consider here that the word of god is a mirror right now what is a mirror okay maybe we should google that but a mirror is a is something that shows you your reflection in other words it shows you 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 can't actually look at yourself by yourself you must look at something to see yourself now when james tells us that the word of god is a mirror he can't be talking to the natural man right what do you mean that the word of god is a mirror he's using a figure of speech he's trying to explain to you that actually the word of god shows you who you truly are in other words i can't really know who i am by looking at my body my outlook right i can't know who i am by the kind of skills i have whether i'm a soccer player basketballer i can make stuff right or an engineer i can't know who i am by my career I can't know who I am by anything else but by the word of God. The word of God shows me who I truly am, my identity. You see that? So, be not hearers only, but doers. In other words, it's telling you that when you look in the mirror of God's word, 
what is expected of you is that you begin to model it. If I look in the mirror and see this is who I am, what's going to happen? I'm supposed to make adjustments and act out who I am. Are you seeing that? So you have, for example, a lady, young lady, who is about to go out and then she stops by her mirror. Now, why do you have a mirror in your house? You have a mirror in your house because you want to, it's not just to see yourself, oh, I'm pretty, I'm this, I'm that. That's that's lovely, right? You may look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm getting fat. <laughs> okay, what happens? What do you do about that? I have to what, make adjustments. You may look in the mirror and say, I'm having wrinkles on my face, meaning it's time for maybe Botox or something else, maybe natural herbs or whatever or things that can help with aging, right? You look in the mirror, you find out that, oh, there's, uh, something in my teeth, right? There's maybe afang soup in my teeth. So what do you do? You remove the afang soup. So a mirror is for adjustment. A mirror is supposed to look, help you see um, exactly what's going on and make you adjust. So it tells us that the Word of God primarily is not just to let us know the wonderful things that have happened or have been done to us and for us, but it is for adjustment. It is for adjustment. And that's why true study of God's word will lead to adjustment. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of our minds. Not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of our minds. Now, it's not just about changing the way you think. It's about adjusting so that it reflects in your life. It says, not just be a hearer. That's you look in the word. You see what the word has, of God has said about you. And then you just go away and say, yeah, that's it. It's okay. And you walk away. No. You are supposed to be a doer. Now, being a doer comes from identity. And that's the difference between just reading that text one way and reading it properly. Being a doer of God's word here comes from identity. Because whatever God has said you should do, he's telling you that this is who you have become. So act it out. This is what you have become, so act it out. These are the abilities you have, so act them out. Are you seeing that? So true study of God's word will lead to behavior modification. So ask yourself, that Bible you've been reading and reading and reading, how do you read it? Is it changing who you are? If it's not changing you, then you're not reading well. You're just reading for knowledge's sake. They say, let's read it, so let me read it. If you study the Bible properly, it will do something to you. It will change things about you because you begin to realize, oh, this is me they're talking to. I guess maybe we don't read with that consciousness that the word of God is for adjustment. If you see it like that, that means that when you study, you're looking at what you need to adjust. Now, I want to say when we talk about the word of God, are we where exactly are we talking about? What because these things must be known. If you say the word of God is, is it every single thing from Genesis to Revelation, every single thing I go, I look at the serpent, so does that mean I have to start acting, acting like a serpent or something? No, actually. There's actually an intelligent way to look at this, okay? So, when we say the word in a nutshell, we're just describing the epistles. We're just talking about the epistles. What are the epistles? The epistles would basically be the book of Romans down to, well, before Revelation. Well, there's some small argument about that, but before Revelation, that would be the epistles, right? The epistles, the word epistle means letter, okay? And you have it opening from the book of Romans, right? Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. You have other guys like Jude, you have Peter, you have John, you have James, right? Uh-huh. These are the people who wrote the letters of the New Testament. Paul being the major contributor 
to all of them. So why am I saying that this is the word that they are talking about? Well, let's start with the four Gospels. What does the four Gospels actually tell you about Jesus or you in Christ Jesus? Well, not much really. It just tells you about his death, his burial, his resurrection, really his life. Basically, those are the facts. It doesn't really tell you details. It doesn't really show you even... For example, his death and resurrection. Hope you know if you read the four Gospels alone, you cannot really understand what happened there. In fact, even the apostles that walked with him were confused a lot. <laughs> they were actually like confused. And I'm going to show you now. They were very confused. They didn't know what was going on when he would tell them, okay, the Son of Man is going to die. They're like looking at him. What does that mean? What does that mean? So let's see Mark chapter 9 verse 30. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee and he would not that any man would know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he will rise the third day. Look at verse 32. But they understood not that what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. They didn't know what he was saying. Like, <laughs> which one is this one? Several times in the same book of Mark, you're going to see that he said it to them and they were dumbfounded. Very dumbfounded. Look at Luke chapter 24. That tells you also. Luke 24, verse 25, actually, you're going to see that they were like dumbstruck again. So, if you, the story of Luke 24, right, is the story of two disciples on the road, on the road to Emmaus. And then Jesus, after he had risen from the dead, this that's when this occurred, he veiled himself in such a manner that he was, he joined them, but they didn't, they didn't know it was him. And as they're walking, they began to discuss what happened, the events of Christ's death, and he was there listening to them. And what they said is that they called him a prophet, right? Christ was not a prophet, by the way. He was the son of God. All the prophets spoke about him. He is not a prophet. They called him a prophet. They called him different things. They were saying, ah, we really hoped he was going to be the one that was going to free us from Roman rule and oppression. So after saying all this stuff, that's when Jesus now stopped them. And in verse 25, he said, so because even they had spoken about women, the women had seen him that he had risen from there. They refused to believe because they're like, ah, they were just dull. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? So that means that all this while, they did not have an idea of what he was doing or why he died. They didn't have an idea. They were just perplexed that he had died. In fact, you see someone like Peter, after what Peter said, I go fishing. They went back to their business. They didn't understand the events that were playing out. So they were just there. This man is... Um, you know, he's on the cross, just kneeled on the cross, dying. And I just look in and say, yeah, my master is dead, he's dead. That's all they saw. They didn't see beyond that. And you also would not have seen beyond that had the epistles not come into play. If Paul didn't tell you that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, you would not know that when, you, when Christ is crucified that he was actually dying for you. The Bible tells us that Christ died for us according to the scriptures. Like, there's so much in the epistles that actually tells you about what he did. Bible says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see? So, let's put it like this, that the four gospels is like a picture. Chaka, you just see the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's like a picture. Just look at him there. But the epistles is the what? The x-ray that goes in details and begins to explain, no, that when he died that this is what it meant for you by his death and resurrection the spirit of God will come into you begins to break it down and explain it thoroughly you see so remember that, we, that James called the word a mirror so we can only find that mirror in what Christ has done that mirror will be in what Christ has done that mirror will be in the spirit of God 
you see so when you understand that um categorization we just gave it you can now know that it is it can be it can be the old testament even if the old testament actually has a lot of that information but embedded in mystery it can be the four gospels because the four gospels just is life death and resurrection it can only be the book of acts although we can see some of those things in acts but acts is more of a just a narration but you see when you enter the epistles you start looking at explanation when you enter the book of romans you, can, you start seeing teaching explanation you see if you read the epistles you see that their teaching is more of explanation that's why what we do when we see bible study and all that teaching goes well we just go in there and see what did they explain we study what they explain to understand it properly and we re-explain it to our audiences are you seeing that more evidence to the fact that the apostles back then could not really understand what jesus was saying they didn't really get it look at john chapter 16 verse 12 he said i have many things yet to say to you but you cannot bear them now Habit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, right? For he will not speak of himself, but he will, whatever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So, now, when he said this, the things to come there, because, <laughs> let me just add this here. He says he will show you things. Okay, let's just break it down a bit, all right? Then I'll get to that part. So, I have many things yet to say, but you cannot bear them. That word bear, you cannot contain them. You can't handle them. You get, you see that? why could they not handle it we're going to see um shortly but you can't bear them i'll just give you the expo that is because they're not born again you can't handle them verse 13 how be it when he the spirit of truth is come right talking about the holy ghost he will guide you into all the truth right just talking to his apostles here he will guide you so remember he's talking to them saying you there are things i want to say to you 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 but you cannot bear them but when the spirit of god comes he will guide you talking to those apostles here actually he's not talking to us i know this is a bit controversial because normally we read this text like it is talking to all believers oh the spirit of god will guide you to all truth now is it true that he will guide you to a lot of things yes right if you look down it says he will show you he says he will show you things to come of course can we say the holy ghost can show us things to come yes but in this context he's talking directly to the apostles and the things to come here as we're going to see is that jesus at this point when he was talking to them had not died on the cross he had not been buried he had not resurrected so the things to come would have to be those events that are going to play out he said this i want to say to you you can't bear them now because the nature in you right cannot take it can't take it right he says but he shall whatever you know he will not speak of himself but whatever he shall hear he shall speak and he will show you things to come he will guide you into all the truth right the truth there will be about christ the reality of jesus christ because he said i'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father except by me so he will guide you into that truth that reality of what i have done or, or, or what i have made to become are you seeing that so that's what he would do he would guide you into all of the truth okay so look at second corinthians sec or first corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 first corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 you're going to see the connection now it says but the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him neither can he know them because they are spiritually known are you seeing that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of god for their foolishness to him so why couldn't jesus tell them what he wanted to tell them because they would have been what foolishness to them the same way they could not grasp when he was telling them i'm going to die and all that stuff you know 
even if he had explained further and helped them to understand clearly that look these are the things that are going to happen this that that that, that this is what it's going to mean for you they, they wouldn't appreciate them they would they can comprehend them but they will not appreciate them so it's foolishness to them because it means nothing why because they are talking about spiritual realities but i'm not spiritual it does not apply to me but it's foolishness so they, they couldn't comprehend so he says you can't bear these things i start saying these things you can't bear them for example one of the the truth of the epistles or the new testament really new testament really began the epistles <laughs> is the fact that your body is the temple of the holy ghost your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that the, that the Spirit of God, the real temple that God spoke about, maybe one day we're going to do a series on that, is that God wanted to come and live in man. Your body is a temple. I mean, that alone can just be, whoa, whoa, what are you saying, what are you saying, what are you saying? Because then they still had the physical temple, the big thing they were looking at. And he said, no, no, that's not the real temple. The real temple is here. You know, Jesus actually said, destroy this temple and arrest in three days, talking about him, his body. You wouldn't get it. You're like, ah. You wouldn't get it. So that's why he didn't go into all those details. But he said when the Spirit of God comes, he's, he's going to actually bring these things to light. Look at 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, or Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are what freely given to us of God. So what does this Spirit do? That Spirit what helps us to what to know. Are you seeing that? But then remember he was speaking specifically to his apostles. So therefore, this knowing here would be to them. You get that knowing is that he was going to reveal that knowledge to them. Now, to go into further details, let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 will help us out here. Bible tells us that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. It says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, just Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What is he trying to say? Foundation here has a lot to do with revelation. How do we know? Because um, if you remember, Bible talks about um, Paul explaining the fact that there is no other foundation laid that which can be laid but the foundation of Christ Jesus. And he says that you should be careful how every man builds in other words, the foundation he's talking about is the foundation of knowledge. So look at 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. It says, according to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon. But let him that let every man take heed how he builds. Verse 11. For other foundation can no other man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Are you seeing that? So he's talking about knowledge. Talking about knowledge talking about knowledge so when we go back to ephesians chapter 2 and it says we've been built on the what foundation of the apostles and prophets christ being the chief cornerstone they are actually explaining to us is actually what we call it in a course or we do called orthodoxy that's what we explain but it's actually trying to explain to us the fact that the knowledge that comes or came in the epistles is actually the knowledge of jesus christ what really happened that those things that Jesus could not say to his apostles because they were not born again. They didn't have the Spirit of God to bear or to appreciate those realities. He says now, they've been revealed, right, uh, to his what? To his apostles and prophets. In fact, Ephesians 3 or 4 actually says the same, you know, thing. 
It says here in chapter 3 actually, it says verse 4, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed. Look at that. In other ages it was not what's made known to the sons of men. What is he talking about? Verse 4. My knowledge in the mystery of Christ. It was not made in other ages sons of men, but now it is what revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by who? The Spirit. The Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God in us, or in, in the apostles, it was in the same spirit in us, but specifically to some of those apostles, he revealed certain things. And this is this is now the people we call foundational apostles. They are the ones who laid the foundation. So they're the ones who came and taught those things that Christ said he, that, that, that he would teach them by the Spirit. That's why you know, those are the people that actually make up the New Testament. Those are the people that make up that's the Acts, Romans, Paul, the people I mentioned before, Paul, James, Jude, right? John, Peter, right? These guys are the people, they are the foundational apostles, the people that the Holy Ghost inspired and gave revelation about those things. So, if you now look at what they wrote, the things that they wrote, right? You're going to see that it is now more detailed and it's more practical. It is written directly to us. So, when you are reading that revelation, it, it's basically the revelation or, or the x-ray of what happened in Christ. It's showing you the details of what happened when you got born again. The details of what happened when Christ died. What it meant for you. What you now have access to. Are you seeing that? You now have access. You know, so that's why we call we call those scriptures in him scriptures. That is, if you go through the epistles, they're gonna see so much relating to you. Even when, for example, they're talking about a certain church, and they will, you know, they maybe a, an epistle was written to a certain church in Laodicea or wherever, and they're addressing certain things. The reason why it is in your Bible is for you to look at it and learn. Whatever they're addressing there applies to your life. So you know, for example, in First Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, it says, "As you wrote to me, now Paul now talks about the fact that he said it is not it is good for a man not to have uh, sex with a woman who is not his wife." Now that was a church that wrote asking questions and was replying them. But the information is relevant to you. Why? Because you are the same new creation in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing that? The same new creation in Christ Jesus. Even this book of Ephesians, for example, is loaded. It actually has so much. It lets us know um, what we have become. So let's look at some text. Right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. I hope that is correct. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Are you seeing that? So it says, In Christ we have what redemption. We are redeemed from sin through what his blood, his, his sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins, according to Jesus' grace. You wouldn't really understand it just by looking at Jesus on the cross. But now you have more insight looking at it in the epistles. Are you seeing that? Let's see another one. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. I think it's similar to that Ephesians we just read. Uh, it says here, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So he repeats it. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, He was made sin who knew no sin, that we may become what the righteousness of God in him. So in other words, it helps to point out the fact that by his death, burial, and resurrection, he has made you righteous. His righteousness has become your righteousness. You have identified with him. You wouldn't know that in the four, four Gospels. Have you seen that? We have Romans 8.1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation to the in Christ, who are in Christ Jesus. So if I'm born again, I'm no longer condemned. I'm no longer under sin. Have you seen that? 
So it begins to graphically paint to you the picture of the new creation, the picture of what you have become, the picture of who you now are, your true identity. It becomes, in other words, your mirror. Are you seeing that? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It tells us here, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither born nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So it tells us about the unity we now have in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing that? There's a unity we now have in Christ Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, those things don't matter. You see that? It begins to show us, you know, our nature and our conduct. The way we are supposed to behave because of what we have become. Are you seeing that? So, let's go back to Ephesians has a whole lot of nuggets. Ephesians chapter 5, right? From verse 1, it says, Be you therefore followers of God as what? Dear children. It shows your identity that you have become a child of God. Now are we the sons of God. You have become God's child. You see, this it is in the epistles. Jesus spoke about some of those things in the four gospels. He made inferences here and there, you know. He actually, he was already foreshadowing what was going to come. But he, he didn't go into explicit details. He didn't break it down so much. So you can't really know from the four gospels. You will have to come into the epistles. In the epistles, you start to see the details. Are you seeing that? Be you therefore followers of God as dear. You have become his children. You have his nature, his DNA. So now follow him. Are you seeing that? Verse 2, he now begins to explain what I'm saying. And walk in love. Even as Christ has also loved us and given himself to us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet smelling silver. He tells you, look, that you should walk in love. That love has become your nature. Love is who you are. So you now realize that when we talk about the book of James and tells you to just look in the mirror, right, or do the word, it's trying, it's saying, do you, do who you are. Act like who you are. Act your, in fact, age, in a sense. Act who you are. You have become love. So love is not, they're not saying oh, love now and just try, try, try. God loved us, love. No, it's saying you have become love. It's not that he has given us his nature. He has given us the example. He has shown us by his life. Because we are now like him. First John 4, 17. Nevertheless, we have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. We are now like him. Are you seeing that? We are now like him. So if we are now like him, let's behave like him. That's what we call doing the word. Doing the word is to behave like him. Act like him because it's who you are. You have become like that in him. In him. So verse 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as what? Be- okay, sorry, that's becoming the saints. Or as, or as is fitting for the saints. In other words, there's what there's behavior that is fitting for royalty, fitting for the saints. Remember, the Bible also calls us saints. And that's quite interesting. A saint is not um, someone that has died and then they now they build a statue for the person, like in, in certain um, churches. No. A saint is means here it means one that is sacred, one that is pure, one that is morally blameless, one that is holy. That's what it means to be a saint. Glory to God. That's what it means to be a saint, and it calls you saints. You say, yeah, but but look at all the things I'm doing, all the sin I've committed, you know, and all that. Even the thoughts I'm thinking, it says, yes, but I have made you a saint. So that's why you're going to see, in a sense, do the word because there's going to be so much contradiction in your natural life, right? You're going to look around and realize, ah, wait, but I'm seeing this in my life. I'm seeing myself messing up. You know, I don't look this. But the word of God is saying you can't know your identity by what is around you. 
You can't even know your identity by your present behavior. You can only know your identity by the word of God. And the idea of it is that, oh, maybe at this point, this is how I'm behaving. I'm not acting like a saint. But the more I keep on looking at the word I see, it keeps on calling me a saint. In fact, if you look at how many times the Bible calls you saints, you'll be overwhelmed. I don't know how some people miss this and began to call dead people saints. Well, unless they're dead in Christ. But saints, <laughs> it's, it's such a dominant word. In other words, to be a saint is actually to be called a holy one. Like saying you're a holy one. You, you know? So he's saying that some so when he says that they are covetous fornication and all those things they are on, they're not fitting for holy ones. We are holy ones. That is who we are by nature. We are like God. So there are things we just don't do. The holy ones don't fornicate. The holy ones don't sleep around. The holy ones don't lie. The holy ones don't cheat. The holy ones don't behave, you know, in such manner. That is how actually how your conduct, your behavior changes. As you study your Bible, you realize, oh, I'm a holy one. Wow. So as a holy one, that things I just don't do then you begin to make adjustments in your natural life. That's how you read your Bible. That's how you read the Word. That is the Word, the epistles. They explain in details who you are. You can look at Jesus in the four gospel and look at his life and his conduct and behavior and you can copy that. Are you seeing that? You can copy that also. Look at verse 4. It says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking. Can you imagine that? No what? Foolish talking. Talking anyhow. Just, just open your mouth. No, that the saints don't talk like that. In other words, we can tell, you see, we can tell how much of a saint you know you are by the way you speak. How do you speak? What words do you use? Do you use foolish words? Do you throw words around aimlessly? Say anything that enters your head? Or are you chased with your conversation? Do you think before you speak? Do you speak words that are defined? Words that are godly? Words that build people up and don't bring them down? Do you decide what you do? Look at this. He says, not jesting, which are not convenient. In other words, that is talking about jokes that are expensive jokes. Jokes are the inconvenience of others. So let me even say, part of foolish talking is even the kind of it's insulting people, you know? Ah, buffoon. Oh, you idiot. And, and it's, it, we've turned those things to jokes. Words that demean the other person, even if it's in a funny manner. Hey, you know, even bastard. <laughs> you know, you, you know, funny. You just use words anyhow. No, those words are not befitting for saints. There's a way saints talk. If you see saints, how? If how does Jesus talk? That's how you know how a saint talk. What does Jesus say? How would he speak if he's around now? If he lived with you for one day, what would he say? That is how you know what is befitting for saints. And that's how you make the adjustment. So the word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, will tell you, um, verse 15, 16, tells you that the word of God is for reproof, for correction. It's supposed to correct you. Correction is not just about, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Correction is adjustment. To adjust your conduct, adjust your behavior. So we know how, we know the strength of your Bible study life by your behavior. We know when we look at your behavior, the way you don't walk in love, behave anyhow, you don't honor the brethren, you don't honor your pastor, you behave one kind. We can tell that this person is deficient in the word of God. This person is lacking. Person is lacking because this person has not looked enough. Let me say this. There is no addiction that cannot be broken for a believer when he looks in God's word long enough. There is no sin that cannot be destroyed because the Bible actually tells us that we have crucified the flesh and all its desires. It's past tense. So there's no such thing as, oh, I still have the nature of sin. No, the nature of sin has been crucified. It's for us to acknowledge it and walk in it. And that is what it means to do the word. You see that? So the question is, where is your mirror? Have you been using it lately? Are you using it properly? Are you making the adjustments and the corrections you need to do? If you're not, it's a good opportunity to start. Okay? 
So, guys, that is it for today. God bless you for listening, right? And apply this. You may want to listen to this several times over for it to sink in. And why don't you share this with someone? Share it on your timeline. Share it with someone. Let someone else get blessed and edified. Let them also change for the better, okay? Alright. Guys, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And bye-bye. If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram. That's pst.sen. pst.essien. See you there.